What's going on, everyone? It's Around the ACL. It's me, Michelle Thompson, joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione to recap an incredible weekend of cornhole and talk about the weekend coming up, which is going to be our next national. So super excited for the show today. Guys, how was the weekend? I know, Trey, you were in Canada. I mean, how was it? Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah, I uh, first, first time north of the border. I'd never been to Canada okay. before, so uh, the falls was like, you know, you always hear like, oh, pictures never do it justice. And it actually like I felt that actually being there like it's it's literally one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Uh, that's That was amazing. And then just being involved in, in, in seeing all the Canadian players for the first time. I said this, you know, and I kind of tweeted out a little bit of a taste of it, but it was like it reminded me of Cornhole like eight, ten years ago where everybody yes. that showed up was just genuinely happy to be there. And they, I have never, we made this joke at the director's table. I have never seen so many bags short of the board and smiles to go along with it. Like everybody was just genuinely, it didn't matter. It did not matter. Everybody was just genuinely happy to be a part of what was happening up there. So it was, you know, it was refreshing, honestly. Like used to, I'm used to use people being very serious and like, making sure everything's buttoned up to a T and, 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 you know, some level of negativity, but I mean, it was just, it was a different world. So it was really fun. It was really refreshing. I had a great time and we'll talk more about it uh, a little bit later in the show, but, but ultimately it was, it was a really fun and enjoyable weekend. Yay. I'd love to hear that. I've not been to Canada either. It's definitely on the list. How about you, Anthony? What was your weekend like? Man, I'm starting to sound like a broken record. We another basketball tournament. Basketball. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Two-day tournament, uh, back-to-back championships for our for our uh, sixth. So my my son is in sixth grade, and we had a lot of teams coming in from from out of state. So um, so it was cool to see them take another championship. And then they're in Kansas next weekend when we're at nationals. So the wife's going to take that one. She's on that one. So uh, hopefully they pull out another W. They're on a bit of a run. So basketball, it's crazy right now. Have kids, they say. It'll be fun, they say. <laughs> it takes <laughs> takes over. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Well, I was in Sacramento, uh, close to where I live. It was awesome to spend some time with uh, people I get to spend time with a lot, but also some people I don't. Uh, but we were over there in Sacramento at the uh, Capital Sports Center, and it was warm. California, I think that's what you expect, I, I would imagine. And uh, we had a lot of fun. So let's talk about some of our winners in level one singles. Uh, first place, Josh Holland. Second place, Devin Harbaugh. Third place, Trey Birchfield and Ryan Windsor. Um, awesome talent. Great matches. Uh, did you get to watch any of it, Trey? Because I know you were at, you know, the Canada Open. So did you catch any of that action? Yeah, very sparingly here and there. Um, I got to see some few matches. Uh, I was really involved in kind of what I was watching in Canada, but um, you know, it was uh, glimpses, glimpses, and and got to see some players at least go on a little bit of a run and and kept up with the brackets and things of that nature. But overall, I think it was uh, you know th there was actually a good concentration of talent. You know, even though it was one of the smaller opens, it still. <laughs> It was not hurting for top level talent by any means. I mean, when you're when your top list includes Josh Holland, Trey Birchfield, Devin Harbaugh, Ryan Windsor, I mean, <laughs> he he got some yeah. pretty good players there. So that I don't think talent was uh, was lacking at all in Sacramento. That's kind of how I felt because 
of course, I was really have to keep my eyes on Adrian Brunson. And when Adrian goes out because he loses to Josh Holland and Ryan Windsor, I feel like you can still leave pretty happy with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the only people that could take you down. Yeah. Um, so I was really impressed with his showing, um, especially his incredible, I don't even know what to call it, push bar soap situation that happened in doubles. <laughs> um, I, that's got to make a highlight reel. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, but Anthony, what'd you think of our singles action? Yeah, my, my first thought, you you mentioned those top four. None of them from Cali. You know, I, I was know. like, oh. Ah, no, yeah. uh, I mean, you were there. <laughs> you mentioned Brunson. I mean, anything else, um, you know, that you saw how that shook out that we had no Cali in that final four? I mean, what was your kind of take on that? Though, so Josh Holland and Ryan Windsor were dominant. Like, they were. It was just, I, I nobody was going to get in their way. It was my experience. Devin Harbaugh, Trey Birchfield, obviously playing really um, as well. But from my experience, it was just, they just were unstoppable. I just think nobody was going to get through them. Uh, although we did see a different outcome in doubles with Noah Wooten and Ryan Windsor taking first, Nate Voyer and Josh Holland taking second, and which were the same. But third, Michael Schroeder and Anthony Brunson, two very close friends of mine, so excited to, uh, they are part of DFT, my league, and uh, really excited to see them shine. And kind of difficult because to get to that spot, Anthony had to take out his own kid, <laughs> Adrian, yeah. to grab yeah. that spot, which is kind of like a uh, bittersweet. Um, but was, Anthony was that a surprise to you? So was that a surprise to you? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, Anthony's really, really good. So it's not like it's surprising that he made it far. Um, Adrian just had. It's like. Sometimes those bags, those sticky bags, just don't fall in the hole. So that's what I noticed yeah. a lot in singles with him. He was throwing combats, and a lot of times he throws Vikings, but he was throwing combats and singles. And there were so many bags of his that just got to the hole and just stuck to the side of the hole, like inside, just constantly, yeah. and just not falling. Um, and I think that took a lot of points away from him. And, and in doubles, he was throwing Vikings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, I would say – that it was surprising, but also because Anthony throws Viper sees they're very whole friendly. They're, you know what I mean? I just think that's kind of the difference when you're looking at the bag choices there. Yeah. I definitely want to call out to uh, Mark Richard or excuse me, Mark Lopez. Yeah. Good yeah. Run, right. He took third ahead of Noah Wooten and Isabella who were in that same bracket. I thought McGuire Shepard looked strong. Mm -hmm. um, Mish, who the hell is Vincent Frisch? Oh my God. <laughs> who is Vincent. this guy? He so he often Adrian and him team up a lot. I'm not actually sure why they didn't team up this time because um, they're usually our doubles partners. He's a young 15 year old kid and he is fire. Like we we told Man. he throws BGs. We told Rich watch out for this kid. He took out Josh Holland, 21 eight. He goes through Noah Almanza, <laughs> and then he took Ryan Windsor all the way to the end. I think that one was 21 17. I'm like who who is this kid? So yeah, he definitely stood out for me yeah. as well. Yeah, is he from California or Arizona? Which one? Either one. Didn't he just win a conference yeah, event? He just won the West Conference, right? He did. Yeah, he did. I was going to say, uh, yeah. He old, been... I mean, he was pretty high up there at the state championship for California. I, I He finished pretty high up on that list as well. Like I said, he often plays with Adrian. They're, they're friends. Same style of play. Rolling. Lots of rolling. Uh, yeah. Lots of that dirty style game. Um, and they throw those Vikings together really well. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I think one thing that was interesting to me. Okay, Anthony, you've been waiting for it all season long. Is this 
the turning point for Ryan Windsor? Is this uh, is this the springboard? Right. Anthony has just been waiting. I don't know. I know. <laughs> Ryan Windsor's kind of been your Trey Hunt. I feel like you were like Trey Hunt's gonna, you yes. know, and yeah. So uh, I want to say yes. I mean, I I knew it was good. The whole time I've had confidence it was coming. I never yeah. gave up on him. Um, Ryan Windsor's legit. It's got to be. It's got to be. He's coming into the <laughs> national three. From what I saw, that was my I actually thought about you and and thought that exact thought. Like, wow, this is. This is this is a turning point. Women's singles, Bella uh, took first, and Cameron Belvin took second. Senior singles, Greg Collins took first, and Tom Embry, another friend of mine from DFT, took second. And then in the advanced blind draw, what are the chances that Tom Embry draws his own doubles partner in my parts? Does that even happen? <laughs> oh, that's good to know. I, and I I had not met them, so that makes that makes perfect sense to me. That makes How does that happen though? That's so crazy. Second, Jordan friend Ryan Windsor. So Tom Embry met uh, told me the next day, how did I draw my own partner? This is crazy. And also. All of us over here at DFT were shocked to see Embry in seniors. We had no idea his age. We're like, how is he playing in seniors? <laughs> 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 so I knew well. Yeah, I didn't want to mention um, with doubles. I mean, for for me, it was it was super unexpected to to so Wooten and Windsor win it. Right? It was super unexpected to see them trade. They weren't in our roster when right. we were talking last week. Yeah. So, but then you get like. You're starting, you know, you see some social media. It's like, oh, Windsor and Wooten are at Airmail City, you know. Uh, right. This, in Cali. Yeah. yeah. And then Wooten drops this uh, this video. He's at this fancy celebrity part, like dinner party thing. It's like, my guy's out of his element, hanging with some bougie non-cornhole people. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? I was like, he's got to be going to the open. So it was like. They're going to go with that fashionably late, like, you know, entrance and kind of show up and be like, oh, we're here to win this thing. Yeah. So that was cool <laughs> and, to see. And they did. Yeah, I was, mean, did you hear, was... did you hear what Shamar Moore did with his airmail challenge? Oh, was it like five G's a pop or something? Yeah. He, he had he, varying lengths. Yeah. And he, it shows Shamar Moore had a party, a SWAT party at his house. And he obviously invited all the SWAT team, invited some celebrities and invited some of the cornhole players as well. And he gave away $98,000 in cash. What? <laughs> what? And he, he didn't let the pros play in some of the events, but he let them play no. in some of the wow. others. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Shamar Moore was dishing out some cash in uh, wow. Airmail City. Uh, crazy. Yeah. There's a welcome to California, I guess. <laughs> so like another dimension, uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and, and real quick, just before but, we get um, to uh, yeah, so super super fun, super fun weekend. Um, definitely. I was just gonna say on the uh, seniors and women's front, you know, I think it was a it was a good win for Bella, but hey, Greg Collins now back to back senior singles wins he's won two back-to-back -back open so he he's a player that i hyped up last year and then so we almost like forgot about him this season because he was lower in the rankings he's built some momentum so i think that was a a good win for greg collins and now someone that maybe we pay attention a little bit more in the in the, in the pro brackets hey mish and do uh just just give it a little analysis on that doubles final um you know you've got Wooten Windsor. Um, to me, the difference in the game, I mean, maybe you can tell us that board speed seemed to be pretty significant. It really accentuated 
their cuts and rolls. And at the same time, it kind of slowed down Holland and Voyer's bags just enough to be a significant factor. And Windsor and Wooten were just able to jam up that hole and score off of piles of laundry. Um, I thought that was pretty significant. And the, the second one is kind of a fun one, but I thought it was pretty significant. So, Trey, if we rewind rewind to 2019, the final chase, right? Noah Wooten is on the national singles final against Jamie Graham. He chooses to ditch his personal set of bags and borrow a set. Whose set does he borrow? Ryan Windsor. Ryan Windsor's, right? So here he is again, winning a national level tournament with Ryan Windsor's bags. Apparently using Ryan Windsor's bags as a factor. He's two for two now, Mish, borrowing Windsor's Uh-oh. bags. Now, I will say, when you when you get a venue with no air conditioning and it's 80 degrees outside, you're going to have some varying board conditions, <laughs> especially yeah, because true. there were fans on one side of the venue and there was no air on the other side of the venue. And the oh, one I'm wow. talking about is the side with the streaming court. No airflow, no fans, nothing. Just uh, sticky and, yeah, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> so not surprising on that one. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on for Morton Corner. He's going to talk some more about uh, PPR, DPR, and all that good stuff. So welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, guys. Glad you all hey, got to take in some cornhole this weekend, just a little bit, just a wee bit of cornhole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit. I, or like to say, I, I watched some cornhole this weekend, eh? I had a little A counter going on for the weekend. I just, they oh, were yeah. so crisp and pure. It was amazing. They don't sound forced yep. at all, do they? No, no forcing <laughs> at all. It was awesome. Great. Well, um, I'll, I'll throw in also, I know you guys probably didn't have a chance to to follow it too much because you're following the, the big events, but we had a, a pretty good sized cash tournament down here, um, the, the bag clash, and we had a whole bunch of pros that came to it. And uh, me and Allison Baldwin had the opportunity to call that uh, event and got to see some great cornhole down here, too. And I just got to call this out. I mentioned last time that Berkeley Pear, I thought, had started the season slow. And then at the Rhode Island Open, he had a really good run. Um, Ryan Smith, obviously, with the big win there. But I thought Berkeley turned his, his game around. Well, they paired up for this event. And I've got to tell you, watch out for these two. Nobody could touch them. Nobody. They rolled through a total of 11 and 0 through rounders as well as the bracket. And there were a good, you know, dozen to 18, well, it was at least a dozen. There's probably about 18 pros there. So they went through some really good teams on that. So just a heads up, Ryan Smith, Berkeley pair, they're throwing heat right now. So, um, so after saying that, now I'm going to shift gears into into a little bit of stats and, and nerdy stuff, some stuff that we've talked about in the past. Um, we talked just for a Stay moment. Stay with us, Mish. Or- Stay with us, Mish. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, come on, focus here. <laughs> yeah, this is this is good Sleepy time. <laughs> we talked for just a moment before we started about this, but we've talked about this topic before. What is more accurate to predict uh, a player's standings uh, finish, PPR or DPR? And we've always came to the conclusion that. It's just, you can't say. It's 50-50, could go one way, could go the other. Well, I went to another level of analysis on the events so far this season in the pro division. Again, small sample size. I want to go back and I'm going to take what I did and apply it to last season stats to verify. But based on the two singles events and the two doubles events at the first two nationals, uh, what I did was I took the players and the team's standings. 
Now for teams, I took the trouble of going through and I'll just use Matthew as an example, Matthew and Ian for their double stats. I took Matthew's double stats. I took Ian's double stats. I added them together and I came up with team stats. If, they, if you follow there. So for the doubles stats that I'm going to show you, you won't find those anywhere. I had to recreate those based on um, combining the partner's stats. Got it. So here's what I found when I laid out all the standings, then I of the PPRs. I took the DPRs and the rankings from the DPRs. And then I did a calculation to see which one of those two numbers was most accurate, closely reflected the standings. Then I added two more things in that I've kind of talked about, was wondering if they might be valid. I took PPR and DPR and added them together for a singular number. And then I ranked them. So, and then I, I saw where they fell as opposed to the standings. And then just for giggles, I took one more, I took PPR plus DPR times two, trying to give a little more credibility to the DPR. And I did the same thing. Okay, so I ranked them based on those numbers that I came up with. And then I compared the ranking to the standings. So, Trey, I don't know if you want to pull up singles or doubles first, but uh, I'll show you what I found. All right, let's look at singles first. All right. So here they are from singles. If you look at the top 10, the average differential between standings, that's points rank, and their ranking in PPR. For the top 10, the difference was 16.9. Wow. The difference between standings and DPR for uh, for DPR for the top 10 was 6.4. So you see clearly DPR has a huge advantage there. And as you look down through the list, I broke it out. And the reason why it says top 10, top 22 instead of 20, 32 instead of 30 and so on is because there were standings ties. And it yeah. wasn't it wasn't right to, to chop it off arbitrarily. So I took everyone that was tied for that position. So, again, you'll see as you look down through the list, um, the dark green is the most accurate indicator. The light green is the second most accurate indicator. Yellow third and PPR is your fourth most accurate indicator. In every right, so, scenario. My, so you took. My rank within the pros, just where I stand, and you subtracted that from the rank of their DPR and PPR? Yes. So for okay, instance, I got if, you were ranked, if you were ranked 14th in the standings, but you had the sixth best PPR, you would have gotten an eight for that. That's a net difference of eight. Okay. So then did you use the absolute value if you were like on the opposite side? I I did for this, I used the absolute value. So if it was plus eight or if it was minus eight, it was just eight off. So you got a okay. score. Of I got eight. you. Now I did behind the scenes. I ran it not using absolute values, right? So if it was an eight, it was an eight. If it was a minus eight, it was a minus eight. And the net would be a zero. Bottom line, it reinforces every, it, it doesn't change a thing, whether you use absolute or not absolute. Yeah, and for those that are listening on the on the audio versions, I mean, yeah, DPR is is almost completely dark green, which means it's it's the best indicator by far. Um, Except for that and, one that that's yellow, which is bizarre. It's like totally yeah, it's, yeah, it is the third, it's the third most accurate in that, and just that's the top twenty-two. So for the top twenty-two players, it was the third third most accurate. 
However, if you look at the numbers, it still blew away PPR. It was only yeah. off by an average of 13 positions. PPR was off by an average of almost 19 positions. I think I think that yellow has Eric Davis written all over it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Jacking up. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely still at a sample size where there can be unique outliers that are going to cause things to to look a little different, a little odd. However, when you look at the grand sum of things. In my mind, there's enough information there to say we're heading in a distinctive, definitive direction. Um, so Trey just slid it over to doubles, and it's even more stark. So you see there, PPR, again, was the least accurate of, of everything. This, In this case, the most accurate in every situation was the stat that I made up where we did PPR plus DPR times two. So if your DPR was a 0.4, we multiplied it by two and added it to your PPR. The only thing that I'm worried about in this, yeah, the only thing I'm worried about here is the difference between those for almost all of them is almost less than a point and a half, yes. which is, which when you yes. talk about, when you're talking about differential, that's, it's, it's pretty locked in. Yeah. Um, right. So so the DPR, the PPR plus DPR and the PPR plus DPR times two are all going to be very similar because, again, that DPR number is usually going to be less than a one. So whether you're using the DPR by itself or using the DPR times two, it's really not going to change it a whole lot. So even if you lop off the, the PPR plus DPR and the PPR plus DPR times two and you only look at the core stats, PPR and DPR. If you only look at those two, again, it's a knockout. DPR crushes PPR. In the Every time. I, in doubles, it looks like the closer you are to the top, the closer you are. Although the difference that I would say is if you have a really bad – the, the explanation on the second half of the stats, if you have a really bad PPR, you're going to have a really bad DPR. I don't care who you are, right? If, you, if you're averaging in – an eight in the pro division, your DPR is going to be garbage. Because yes. I, mean, regard, I mean, because you're I, one plus. It doesn't matter. Trey, it I actually matter. started looking up the stats. PPR was a little more accurate if I measured from the bottom up. So if I measured the bottom 20 teams, PPR was a little, just a little. It was slightly more accurate in predicting who the bottom 20 were going to be as opposed and, to the top 20. And I think that hits our hypothesis on the head that we've been saying all season. The closer you are to the bottom half of the pro division, the closer you are to being an amateur or being someone that's kind of closer to where the general public is, the average cornhole player is, meaning that you know the, the DPR is going to be just completely varied on who you are playing. Right. Absolutely. Now, DPR, like we've said time and time again, DPR is not good if you want to you measure DPR for someone playing in open standings because they're playing right. against someone that's really bad and then playing someone that's really good. And it just becomes a stat that gets widely thrown all over the place. But when you use it against only one tournament or only a field of professional players who are all close to the same skill level it's going to better indicate how good you are. So I think your work has exactly said just that. PPR is great if you want to figure out, is this guy good, right? 
the DPR is really going to be good at, is this guy great against better competition? And that's the ultimate, you know, deciding factor when right. we're, we're looking at uh, this pro division. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the takeaway from this from, from nobody should be that for the general public, DPR is better than PPR. Because if you play in a local event or a regional event, and then you go to an open and you happen to play in maybe a weaker open versus a stronger open, you're, you're mixing and matching the, the statistical yeah. pools. So, you know, the, the DPR does not mean anything in that sense. So you can rack up a really great DPR, for instance, at, at some easier regionals, and that's going to skew you towards the top of the standings. But when yeah. you're looking at a closed sample size, like we are, of just the pros, and by the way, I threw out for the teams um, and for singles, both. If you didn't play in both events, I cut you completely out of the standings. So yep. this is only looking at people that played in two events. Um, but when you're looking at a closed sample size, the DPR tends to matter. And the, I believe the deeper we get into the season, the more it's going to e matter even more because players that haven't played, say, a Ryan Windsor or a Noah Wooten or someone at the tippy top will eventually play them. And, you know, the law of averages is going to give them a larger sample size and you're going to see where people really lie. So, Michelle, are you still awake? Um, I don't know. I think I zoned out a little bit. <laughs> all I heard was, all I heard is you're an average player. Just don't worry about DPR. And then I just kind of moved on. <laughs> so, so for the moment, guys, I am, I am going to say it, it appears that DPR within that closed environment of the pro division um, is a better indicator of course, in one tournament, one bracket, maybe it's not always going to be the most accurate, but over the course of the long season, DPR is going to be your better measuring tool. I agree with you. Awesome. So it's uh, been determined here. You heard it here first. We have a winner. It's DPR. <laughs> and I'll correct myself next week, by the For way. Now. As soon as I find out. Yeah. <laughs> For now. Yeah, we have the right to, to change that. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much for bringing that to us. We'll say goodbye to you for now and uh, head on over to the Canada Recap. So thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. See you later. See you, Mike. All right. Now now I'm in the other position. I really have no idea what happened in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited to hear this. So um, let's talk about some of our winners. For the pro exhibition, we had Jamie Cowan and Timmy Jonas in first, second, Jordan Power and Steve Pohl. Um, do you want to talk about that one first, or when we go into singles winners? Yeah, yeah. So uh, real quick on the pro exhibition, it was really cool. A lot of these Canadian players, first time on an ESPN stage. It was great to see how they go. And it was unbelievable. It was one of the more exciting broadcasts we've done in a while because the talent level on the Canadian side, yes, it's a little, it's, it's, it's lower than definitely some of our pros. But you know what? They hit some big shots. It was, it, there were some great individual highlights within that game. I mean, we're talking about like, Huge stage, got to have it second half of the game, and an airmail drag dragging two different bags. We're talking about, you know, two bags bunched up in the hole with two bags around it, pushing everything through, leading opponents two bags to score a six. I mean, stuff like that we don't even – we don't see much of because, you know, it, it's difficult to make a hard shot, not only to do it on one of the biggest stages ever. So it was just really cool. And, and Jamie Cowan – Shows that experience matters. That was kind of the theme. He won the first ever international event in the United States when the Canadian team came down 
for the 2019 World Championships. Jamie Cowan hit a game-winning shot in the finals against Australia alongside Scott Sullivan to get them to the finals where they eventually lost to Adam Hissner and Cody Henderson. But he had experience on an ESPN broadcast. He translated that over. He's not the best player in Canada, but he was the best player in that tournament when it mattered most. And Timmy Jonas was was lights out too. So so kudos to them. That's so good to hear. In our level one singles, uh, Jordan Power took first, Jim McGuffin took second, Sam Finley third, and Timmy Jonas uh, also taking third. Um, really excited to see uh, Timmy Jonas up there in those both of those times. So good, good news for him. And Jordan Power in first. Let's go, Jordan. Got it. Yeah, he was he was the dominant player on the weekend. First yeah. in singles, first in doubles, first in the team event that paired USA versus Canada, second in the ACL swap blind draw, and Dang, second wow. and second again in the pro exhibition. So he did not nice. in any event he played in, the worst he finished all weekend was second, and he got three trophies in the process. Wow. That's pretty good. It's a good weekend. <laughs> it's a good, good little weekend, certainly for sure. Trey, I gotta say, man, listening in on this Canada Open, it made me realize we gotta step up our nickname game, man. We got the blind squirrel out there, yeah, right? Yeah. We got the baby goat. All right, we got a goat and we got a squirrel, and now you got Brandon Brown, who's the donkey. The donkey. They had all we, nicknames. We gotta <laughs> fix this shit, man. That is yeah. terrible. We had a donkey. We had the gambler. We had the hat. We had like all these all these names up there. I mean, there was just a ton of nicknames up in Canada. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. So, well, now we know where we uh, need to improve. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Step up our nickname game here. I'll say one other person that really impressed me. So uh, obviously we had a ton. Of, you, we've seen a lot of the pros up there, right? And we, some of the Canadian talent we got to see too. Um, Bobby Sperry really impressed me on the pro side at times. Oh, man. Him and Eric Hauser, who is an amateur, two straight games, they took down Lori Duell and Miranda Coy, and yep. then they took down uh, Chris Kingsbury and Sam Finley. And in both of those back-to-back games, both Hauser and Sperry averaged above an 11.0 PPR. Wow. Both of them. Wow. So they were, I mean, they were locked in. The other player I wanted to talk about through rounders play in both singles and in doubles, the statistical leader was not Jordan Power was not Jimmy McGuffin. It was Chris Kingsbury. So Chris Kingsbury, we saw glimpses of him, if you remember, at the Winter Haven Open. He took Matt Guy in a barn burner, I believe in a bracket semifinal or a bracket final. Ended up losing Matt Guy, remember, goes on to play Alan Rawls in the finals. And we know that we know that story, but we kind of forget that Chris Kingsbury was an amateur player um that that really gave him a run he was really impressive so to watch same thing with nick patuski out of the northeast conference a younger player but both of them were top amateurs right now if you look at open standings and eliminate the pros they're number two they were number two and number three ranked uh amateur players out there so they're both slated to become pros next season i got a chance to watch him with my own eyes this weekend Patuski is flashy. He is a Reynolds thrower. He's rolling everything, hitting big push shots. But Kingsbury's a he threw well this weekend and throwing Vikings on the slick side because that's what Sam Finley wanted to throw. <laughs> yeah. Put a set of Vipers in his hand and he he's gonna be really, really good. And so those are just two prospects that I'm really excited to watch uh, uh this coming season. Nice man. Hey, j- just a kind of closing comment on the women because Lori Duel, I just 
I've been kind of building her up the whole season, you know, with hot takes and whatever. Um, but she's got this real methodical, like moderate pace, running bags, filling up the hole. She's real selective in her airmail. I think it's paying off, man. Duel Duel's looking really nice right now. It was it was good to see her make that run. She did. Yeah, she played. Yeah, she, she did played take really first. She took first women's singles. Sam Finley took second. Uh, just to go through the doubles, uh, Jimmy McGuffin, Jordan Power took first, second, Eric Hauser, Bobby Sperry, and third, Chris Kingsbury and Sam Finley. Happy to see Sam Finley all over that leaderboard. Good job, Sam. Um, but yeah, Lori Duell is, uh, I think, uh, definitely someone we're going to keep seeing at the top of that list. Oh, and we have a consensus in the background. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> From the doghouse. Okay, uh, let's move on to news around the league. We had the Texas State Championship and advanced singles. AJ Sims took first. Uh, Justin Burton Jr. took second. Caleb Batson took third. And Noah Alvarado, Noah Alvarado being a young kid that just wiped everybody at the Kids Throw 2 tournament. Um, so really impressed by him before and, and not so surprised to see him on that list again. And for doubles, Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson take first. Luke Anderson, Sammy Soto, and Javi Torres, and Eric Zerdusko. I hope I said that right, Eric. Um, and look, at the, there's Eddie Grindersleeve at the top. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen him there. So uh, what are your thoughts on that Texas State Championship, Trey? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the one takeaway is seeing uh, – we knew A.J. Sims has actually been playing really, really well. So that was really wasn't a surprise for me. For I just wanted to see – a grinder sleeve and Batson back in it. And for them to win that Texas state championship, there's a lot of great players in Texas. So that gives them some momentum. They have a tough bracket. We talked about it last week, heading into the bag brawl. So keep in mind, they're in that quadrant, that top upper quadrant, I believe with Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin. So that's going to be an opportunity. If they can play like they played this past weekend at that bag brawl, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, so it's just uh, good for them to build some momentum. Yeah, what you think, Anthony? Hey, we should see these guys at the top. The one I do see, we're seeing a little bit of a trend, right? Justin Burton. I didn't know who he was yeah. until he recently showed up. At, what was it? A conference or something out in Texas recently. So clearly we have someone up and coming out of Texas. Um, Justin Burton showing up again here in the top three. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move on to board bets. This is where we're going to talk about some of the uh, betting, uh, specific betting markets coming up here in the bag brawl. I'm going to go through five of them. The first one is Ryan Smith plus 3,500. I love that you put that on here, Trey, considering what Ryan Smith just did. So uh, what do you think? Ryan Smith plus 3,500. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. You're getting a lot of value there. We, we talk about, um, I mean, plus 3,500 is 100 bucks to win 3,500. It's a lot of money right there. It's a good, and, and really, I've said this time and time again, I'm totally biased when it comes to what have you done for me recently? And recently now he's won an open and I just heard from Mike that he's on a tear. So even if Ryan Smith is just peaking right now and then he'll come back down, that tells me this is going to be your best opportunity for the value. He's at the peak right now. If he drops off later, you know, it is what it is. But I, in order to bet on someone like this, you have to think that they can win the whole thing. Ryan Smith just won a major tournament. He won an open, so I like it. Anthony? I'm on the other side. I don't like it. Yeah, I wouldn't bet it. Like um, it. He, he's coming in hot, right? Just want to open. The reason why I don't like it is if you look at the other people in that same 35 to one, I can get the same money from Devin Harbaugh, Jay Rubin, 
Eric Davis and Philip Lopez. I would bet all four of them before taking Ryan Windsor at 35 to one. Oh, fair point. All right. I'm curious about this one. Matthew Creek killer plus 2,200. Cause my hesitation would be, could he do it again? You know, back to back. So uh, what do you think, Trey? You hit it on the head. I wouldn't do it because it, time and time again, it has shown that nobody since 2018 can legitimately win back-to-back. Sing- well, I guess Jamie Graham had a little bit of period in there where I guess he won a invitational and a national. But when it comes to nationals, nobody since 2018 has gone back-to-back. So for me, I I, I just – field's too deep, so I'm, I'm staying away from it. I'm on the fence on this one, Mish. Um I'm going to – that stat is really hard to go against, right? No, the back-to-back thing. Um, I'm going to bet it just because the confidence he got from winning that last national. He's clearly got the talent to win. Now you put the confidence on top of that. And you have to think Matt Guy at the same time. We know we got to go through Matt Guy at one point. I think strategically he has that strategy that beats Matt Guy with a deep mm-hmm. blocker and ability to collect. I like that. So – at I'm on the fence, but I'll take that one at 22 to 1. Okay. Mark Richards and Philip Lopez plus 1,800. I like this one. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I like this one too. Um, I'll go with it because they're, you know, they're a team that kind of just people keep forgetting about, and they're still a team that just made a broadcast. And, and to do it, they beat henderson and hister they beat renner and baldwin so they beat these historically top five top 10 teams and you're still getting a really good value i don't have to you know i'm getting some if you're saying i can get someone that that has a really good chance to make a broadcast and i don't have to get it at the same level as i have to spend on a jay rubin jordan power or even a graham guy it's kind of a value thing for me so i i like it anthony are you gonna disagree again no, I feel like I feel like it's just about right. I mean, yes, they, yeah. They, yeah, they've proven they can beat top 10 teams. They've proven they can perform under the pressure of the broadcast, which is big for rookies coming in. You don't know what you're going to get there. I think they're trending better than 18 to 1 odds. Uh so with that, I'm going to I'm going to take it, but it's it feels a little suspect for me. I feels like right on that 18 to 1. Okay. Number 4 is Cheyenne Renner plus 2200. You going to take that one? Ooh, this one, you know, I'm actually not going to take it. And I hate, I hate not taking it because I want to, but you look at her ranking in comparison to where her, her, what her odds are. The odds are saying she's going to get back to where she was. She just hasn't shown it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be some people that will bet it and take it. And it would not really surprise me if she won a whole national. Um, and it would obviously be historic, but for now, I'm going to lay off of it. True. Anthony? Yeah, Trey, I, I was feeling exactly the same way. I, why is she 22 to 1 or to plus 2200? She's ranked uh, 69th after Natty 1. She took 49th after Natty 2, currently sitting at 53rd. I feel like we should get better odds big, on that one. The big climb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she can win it. She can definitely win it, but 22 to one just seems shit. You could get Tanner Halbert at 30 to one. So mm-hmm. I would take that bet over, over uh Renner all day. Last one, Jimmy humans and Tyler Cobb plus 3000. How are we feeling about that one? Trey? <sighs> this one is so be, tough. This one no, is thank so, you. Don't be mean. I, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I actually think it's a brilliant line. 
I think it's a really, really good line because if we get Ty, if we get Tyler Cobb putting it together, and we know how good Jimmy Humans is, this all of a sudden becomes a top ten team, easy. And if you say I get a top a top ten team team for you know plus three thousand, I I really like that. The problem is just haven't seen it yet from Tyler. I want it, yeah. but I'm I'm not going to take it. Anthony? No thanks. No thank you. Um, <laughs> no thank you. I'm very polite of you. They're 65th, then 53rd. Can they win it? Eh, yes. They have to bring their best up, but not at 31. I mean, you give me 60 to 1, and I would I would take that one. I don't like that one. Uh, it's double, so I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but, but, okay. All right. Well, we got uh, the bag brawl coming up this weekend. As we said, let's go into our bracket preview for singles. Uh, Trey, you want to start with uh, A? Yeah, bracket A. I, I like this one a lot. Okay, here's why. Rewind last year, okay? We had one of the craziest games over the past couple seasons between Matt Guy and Damon Dennis. They throw back-to-back-to-back to back, to back bags off the board, off the board. <laughs> for Damon Dennis to get the win at the 2021 bag brawl. And who sits at the top left of bracket A and the bottom left of bracket A, Matt Guy and Damon Dennis. So I like oh, that. Okay. I think they're kind of the favorites maybe to make make that position. So I think that'll be exciting. On the other side, the big heavy hitters are Humans and Hicks, right? That's who everybody's going to pick, Jimmy Humans versus Alex Hicks. But the one player that can play spoil, spoiler to that in my mind, Jacob Trzinski. He already made a Final Four in singles at the last event. And how fun would an Alex Hicks Jacob Trzinski match be? Oh, and so then the good. winner, and then the winner of that plays Jimmy Humans. And then the winner of that maybe plays Matt Guy. That's an incredible three-game stretch that I hope. That I get the call, have that? or at least see. Do we have that bracket, Trey? What 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 bracket is that <laughs> I, on? Oh, I what forget what one we have. I forget which one. <laughs> we'll have to check. Oh man, what do you think, Anthony? Yeah, my initial thoughts. This is Matt Guy's bracket. Good luck, everyone else. I mean, this guy's coming in. Uh, my second thought was, did Josh Holland end up in Matt Guy's bracket? This poor guy <laughs> is two for two, right? He keeps ending up yeah. in Matt Guy's bracket. He's clear this time. He has his own bracket, uh, but I think the best chance of challenging guy from the left is going to be Kyle Malone, who showed out at the last Nationals in singles, and we're going to need Nationals 1, Dylan Turpin. Not the version we saw at the last Nationals, who took 105th, but the first version of Dylan, Dylan Turpin. I think that's your best chance of challenging guy. You mentioned uh, Hicks. That poor guy, he was he was just bold on the bracket to me i was like this looks good and then i start looking at his bracket this poor guy has what maybe we call this one the death quadrant i don't know but you mentioned it he's got to go through jay rubin then he has to go through jacob trzinski then he has to go through humans to get to guy so yeah. <laughs> these poor guys but uh worth mentioning out of the right two guys have beaten two baggers have beaten guy hicks and humans recently this year so if they do end up in the finals, there's a little history there and some confidence to take down Matt Guy for the bracket. Absolutely. You want to roll into B there, Anthony? Bracket B? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, left side, I mean, for me, the the four, the final four standing in the left side, Alex Rawls, Joe Neistead, I like him right now, Trey Burchfield, and Trey, you're going to like this. I kind of like Trey Hunt and what his bracket looks like. Um 
Joe Neistead for me, this dude I think is bagging unbelievably. He just really hasn't had the wins, if you will, but his performance is there. He just hasn't had that deep run. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's beat Cody Henderson. He's beat Brendan Valdivia, Storm Hogue, Dave Sutton, Jacob Foreman, Justin Stranger. He now needs to just turn that into a top 10 bagger win. I like him in the in his quadrant going through Hisner Henderson right side. You got Philip Lopez out there. Um, we're going to find out if he's really a top 10 bagger. If he's a top seed like that, he's got to go through Jimmy McGuffin. Then he's got to go through Ryan Smith. If he can do that, I think Lopez solidifies for me that he is an elite level top 10 bagger. Bottom right, sorry guys and gals, <laughs> Jordan Power coming in at a really poor seed um, after missing, what was it, that flight or whatever, he missed nationals. So no Wooten going to draw the short end of that stick. He gets Jordan Power in round one. That's really unfortunate for him. But Noah Wooten really looking good to me. We rewind to his Nationals win, comparing that to what his pitch looked like recently. He was really erratic in falling out of his pitch out to the right side. He had this real jerking motion on his release. He's cleaned all that up. I really like how he looks. Maybe he makes a run here in this bracket at this Nationals. And real quick, I'll just add one quick comment. You you say the other side in bracket A, maybe a death quadrant. Tanner Halbert, Cody Henderson, No Wooten, and Jordan Power all in the same quarter yeah. of a bracket. That's brutal. Not only do you have Power at the low seed, you have Henderson at the low seed. We've already beat to death why he's the low seed with his with how good he's been statistically with the bad draws. So yikes, stay away from that section. Last thing, watch out for Cody Henderson. Uh, Cody Henderson. Cody Johnson who has been really good statistically, he's going to run into Alex Rawls early. So if Alex Rawls is not ready to go, Cody Johnson will take him down. Interesting. Well, Trey, why don't you, why don't you go into bracket C while you're there? Yeah, bracket C. Mark Richards, I really think it's his top left to win. Um, yep. I think he should take that down. Looking on the bottom left-hand side, I, I really hope I get to watch Devin Harbaugh versus Cheyenne Renner at some point. Eric Zockline is also in there, but Harbaugh versus Renner, that just feels fun to me. I don't know why. It just feels like a game I really want to watch. The right side of the bracket, dirty play style galore, okay? You have the, <laughs> arguably the three best dirty style players in the game. Obviously, you can throw Trzinski in there. You can throw humans in there, whatever. But Matthew Creek Killer, Tony Smith, and Eric Davis all in the same half yes. of a bracket. You tell me you can line up and watch back-to-back -back of those games and those matchups. I know a lot of people who would pay-per-view for that one. So this is this is pretty wide open. Mark Richards obviously going to be the heavy favorite. Will he end up in the finals again against Creek Killer, who beat him twice? Mark Richards only three losses this season. One to Matt Crazy. Guy in Vegas. Two to Creek Killer in Atlantic City. So he's only lost three times this year, and all of them have been to the eventual champion of the event. Crazy. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that one, Anthony? Yeah, Bracket C, I mean, also up there with Mark Rich. I mean, Alan Rawls, he seems so easy to forget, but remember, he's capable of going deep runs. He beat Matt Guy in that open number six. He's off radar for a lot of people. I like him running to the fourth round where he runs into Mark Richards for that quadrant bottom left. Um, you know, a great time for a 21 seed like Nico Morellis to show up. Trey, I think you said it was last week in doubles. You know, you said, I keep telling people that you're really, really good. Well, hey, here's a great opportunity to do it in singles well. 
you know, and then run into a hardball. Bottom right, um, it feels like it's time for Eric Davis to make his run in singles. You mentioned how tough it's going to be down there, but, you know, uh, he was a top 10 guy last season sitting at 23rd. He's looking to replace a finish at the last Nationals. He took 49th. So if he can have a good run here at this Nationals, dropping that eventually could really bump him up in the ranks. Jacob Beamer, I mean, he's quietly sitting in the top right, ranked higher than Tony Smith on the season. Beamer's ranked 26th. Bottom line, I think it's Creek Killer's side, and I see him making another run like he did in Atlantic City. All right, and well, Anthony, can you wrap it up with uh, bracket D there for us? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, left side, I don't see any reason why Josh Holland wouldn't repeat what he's doing. We're talking Mr. Consistent. The gap between his ceiling and floor is like this. He just doesn't floor <laughs> very often. So super, super uh, steady. Right side, top, I like Graham and Windsor in the quarterfinal. Um, we saw what Windsor looked like in Cali. I think that carries over. I think we see a deep run from Windsor. He's going to have to go through his partner Herrera, though, to get there. Doug Zaft has to be looking at that bottom quadrant going, I really like how this quadrant looks. I mean, who's going to take down Zaft down there, Trey? You got Altice. Does the Altice from Worlds show up? Maybe the doubles James Baldwin that we see shows up in singles. Does 2020 Matt Morton show up? Possibly sneaky good. Justin Lang shows up. Not so sneaky, but honestly, I don't see it. I see Doug Zaft. Wiping out that bottom quadrant. I like a bracket final of Josh Holland versus Grammar Windsor. Josh Holland. That's all I got to say about bracket D. <laughs> all right. Moving on. <laughs> right. We're going, I, mean, I agree with you. All right. Going into our hot takes. Uh, Trey, you got your hot take ready? I do. All right. Here you go. Jimmy Humans gets a huge win in uh salt lake city but not in the event you may think of he's competing in super hole alongside arnold schwarzenegger's son joseph baina also Let's go. also competing jordan power and real housewife of salt lake city uh lisa barlow vernon davis the x49ers playing with nate voyer and then kyle van noy a longtime patriot and miami dolphin playing with sarah cassidy so humans gets a win in super hole okay all right okay. here we go anthony what you got Mish, we're going piping hot this week. We're going piping hot. Oh, oh, uh, we're going to go singles. Joe okay. Neestead takes out the Lucky Bags team. He's going to go through Alex Rawls first, then Trey Birchfield second to win the left side of bracket B, finding himself in the final. That's tor That's torch. That's like torching hot. Ever. That's the hottest hot take we've had on the Don't show. Don't let ever. me down. <laughs> Don't let me down, Joe. Don't let me down. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. Mine is funny. So over the weekend, Wally started calling it when a bag goes off the board, Mish, like you mished it. I don't know how I got this name. I don't I know why I'm missing that. the board with me, but I think it's going to catch on. And apparently it's going to be, oh, you mished it. So there we go. That's my hot take. <laughs> all right. That's all we got time for. We'll see you guys in Salt Lake City. And then again on Monday to recap. And uh, that's it for today.